Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Can I encourage you, if this is a thought that rushes through your brain or that's maybe you've been thinking through, um, because life has been difficult, life has been challenging for everybody, and you may be thinking like, man, this following Jesus thing is like, it's not really working out for me. Maybe I just need to go back. Can I please tell you, don't go back. Don't, just hold on. Just wait. Just wait for the sunrise. Just wait for the sunrise on your dark day. The sun will rise. I promise you that. Just wait for the sunrise. We can have fond memories of the past and wish we could go back, especially when we make a mistake and fail. Just go back to the good old days when life didn't have all of the same current problems. Well, Pastor James shares that Peter had the same experience. He was going through one of the most difficult times imaginable, and he just wanted to go back. Go back to what he knew was best, fishing. But Jesus had other plans. Jesus wanted to restore Peter, and he wants to restore you when you fail. Now turn in your Bible to the book of John, chapter 21, as Pastor James begins his message, Restoration. So, John 21, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, um, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather together and just to open up your word and to hear from you, Lord, especially concerning this message of restoration. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would remind us all that we can always go back. We can always return to you. Um, That's the beautiful message of the gospel, Lord, is that we're never too far gone. And so we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, as we see how you you interacted with uh, Peter Lord, that we could, um, we could learn some lessons for, uh, for ourselves, but we could also learn how to be gracious um, and gentle towards other people, Lord. So we just pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. Jesus, we pray that you would be here with us today. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, just so you understand, th- that definition of restoration, to be, to be restored, to be brought back to its original state, it, it's not like, so we're going to be dealing with Peter. It's not like he starts back at square one. Okay, because I don't want you to think that. It's, it's not like you start over completely. What Jesus is going to do in Peter's life is restore him right back to where, right before he made a mistake. He was kind of a bonehead, right? He, he's a knucklehead. He, he made a tremendous fail within his life, and Jesus is looking to bring him back towards to where he was at right before that, that beautiful, intimate moment where Jesus was washing his feet and Jesus breathed on him and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit, all those beautiful little moments and all that stuff. He's bringing him back to that. So I, I, want, I want you to understand, because sometimes in my brain when I think about this, it, I feel like when I've messed up and I go back, to, I repent, I own it, and I go back to the Lord, it, sometimes, I don't know if it's the enemy or what it is or just this mentality of like, oh great, now I got to start all over. That's not true. That's a works mentality. Okay, that, okay now I got to, what? You got to build back up the good works so that Jesus is happy with you? Because that's not how it works. He's always, he's happy with you. He loves you perfectly. Now we got to get back on track, right to, back to that point where you were doing well. You were making progress. You're running, you're running. Your momentum in your life, we got to get you back up on your feet so you can take off running again. Okay? So, 
this story, context. Um, this is, uh, man, this is one of my favorite stories. Absolutely. So you got Jesus was betrayed by Judas. We know, I think we know this, okay? So he's betrayed by Judas. Um, they had this intimate supper. I've already kind of referenced this a little bit, but here Jesus was washing everybody's feet. They all broke bread together. Even Judas was a part of that. Um, and then Judas left the scene to go sell Jesus out to the high priest. They sent the Roman guards to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where Jesus and his disciples were. Jesus took three of the, the disciples into the innermost part of that garden to be with him, to pray with him. They fell asleep. Can anybody relate? Um, Jesus is like, I'm about to die. You guys can't pray with me for an hour? And they're like, I'm kind of tired. Yeah, we get it. But so you got all these moments and Jesus is arrested. Peter has one of these you know, brave moments where he chops off his servant's ear and Jesus has to fix that for Peter. I was commonly doing that for Peter. Um, and and he, Peter even made these bold proclamations. Even if everybody leaves you, I will never leave you. Even if all these other losers leave you, it's kind of maybe what Peter would have been saying there. He's like, look, Jesus, you can rely on me. He made such bold proclamations about his faith in Jesus and his walk for Jesus. And he had to eat all those words. He had to eat all those words. And I'm, I'm addressing the context also to maybe... Because maybe you can relate to the story in the sense that there may have been a time in your life where you're like, man, I, I made these bold proclamations, and I'm nowhere even close to where I thought I was going to be. In fact, I feel like I'm, I've lost momentum, but I've said all this stuff. I remember those days those, when I met Jesus and I made all these, Lord, you, wherever you send me, I'll follow. Well, you know, tell me where to go. I'm going to do that, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share the, your gospel everywhere. And you look at your life now, and you're like, I'm not doing any of that stuff. We've made bold proclamations, bold plans, and all that good stuff. Peter made all, that, all those things. But where we find him is on one of the darkest nights of his life. We're one of the darkest nights of his life. Because he was leading up to that. Jesus got arrested. And Peter, even preceding that, Peter had told him, he's like, I'll never leave you. And he, like everybody else, left Jesus. And he followed behind as Jesus was led to, to the trials and all that good stuff. And, and where we find it is Peter was, he was, you know, at the enemy's fire, the enemy's coal fire there warming himself because it was a cold night. And then, you know, Jesus is, is having that, you know, the trial, this illegal trial that was going on. Jesus had already told Peter, he's like, look, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, well, no way. Jesus, you don't know me. What are you talking about? I will never deny you. She's like, no, it's okay. But um, you will, and you'll see. And then they had this exchange. Peter does deny him the third time. They make eye, eye contact. Peter breaks down and takes off running, right? And, and from that moment, and then Jesus is led. He's crucified. Peter's aware of all this stuff. But from that day, what I want to paint in your brains is because we're dealing with like a matter of like two weeks, okay, from when John chapter 21 goes in the, the death of Jesus. You get about roughly two weeks that you're talking about here. So Peter, from that day, is living with this reality of like the last thing, like the last thing before he died that maybe he heard me say was me cursing that I do not know this man, flat out rejecting Jesus, flat out rejecting him, not once, not twice, three times, flat out cursing is what the original language says. 
I do not, may, may, God, may God punish me if I know this man. Blatantly, flat out rejecting Jesus. And the moment he said that, Jesus, they make eye contact. And Peter is, that's inside Peter for two weeks. I want you to understand, we're dealing with real people. Okay, so you can imagine, you know, you know what it's like when you say something that you shouldn't have said to somebody, and it hurts them. And hopefully, I hope, because I hope you're human beings and you have a heart and compassion, that that doesn't sit well with you. You know how that just eats away at you over time, right? Just eats away at you over time. Can you imagine? You did that to Jesus, and then you got, you got about two weeks. You got roughly about two weeks. Now, he's going to... There's going to be some interaction between him and Jesus, but just so you understand, Jesus raises from the grave, Peter runs to the tomb, runs into the tomb, it's empty, just like Jesus said it was going to be, it's going to be empty, that's cool. Then Jesus shows up in the room where all the disciples are at, minus Thomas, because Thomas belled, right? That's another beautiful chapter. That's John chapter 20. That's it. If you ever deal with doubt, read John chapter 20, please. If you ever deal with doubt, if you ever doubt the Lord and his love for you and his word, you will find a dear friend in Thomas because he bailed completely. The disciples got back together except for Thomas. But Peter was in the room when Jesus showed up. And there's no words exchanged, no mention of anything, Jesus addressing Peter at all. And then Jesus shows up again. He showed up multiple times after his resurrection. But then he shows up in the room again. No interaction with Peter. It's not because Jesus is mad at Peter, because he's not. Because I believe that it was forgiven. You know, I, I believe that Peter, in that breakdown through, through the course of that, there was probably some repentance associated with that. Now, crying about getting busted is not always repentance. I think we understand that. We get that. Um, but I believe that Peter was, was repentant of denying Jesus. But again, Jesus shows up in the upper room, and he doesn't address Peter. He goes right to Thomas, and he's like, Thomas, here you go. What, what do you need, Thomas? You put your finger through these nail holes in my wrist? Do you need to put your hand in my side where they stuck that spear? Thomas, whatever you need to help you in your doubt, I'll give it to you. What do you need? That's Jesus. Please understand, that's Jesus. Wherever you're at, if, you're doubt, if you have doubts about him or anything, he knows how to show up in your life and say, and say to you, okay, what do you need? What do you need? What reassurance do you need from me? I love that. Jesus is the best thing ever. Absolutely the best thing ever. He is truly the greatest gift ever. But no interaction with Peter until you get to John chapter 21. So let's look at this story, okay? Verse 1, we're just going to go right through this chapter. It flows pretty quickly. So it says, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Or your, your Bible may say the Sea of um, Tiberias, same thing. City of Tiberias is located on the Sea of Galilee, you can call it the Sea of Galilee, Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. They're, it's exactly the same. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, named the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, uh, James and John, and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Now, please understand, this is key. Because you might read that and you're like, okay, that makes sense. He's a dude, likes fishing. He was a fisherman. My goodness, that was his profession. So he's like, he hasn't really gone fishing to really in that sense since he met Jesus. He abandoned the nets. He abandoned the boats. He forsook all to follow Jesus. 
and you've had meetings, encounters with Jesus, and Peter's like, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And it's, in one sense, maybe it's a signifying that maybe he's thinking, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to go back to, to the way my life was pre-Jesus. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Jesus wasn't going to let him. And can I encourage you, if this is a thought that rushes through your brain, or that's maybe you've been thinking through, um, because life has been difficult, life has been challenging for everybody, and you may be thinking like, man, this following Jesus thing is like, it's not really working out for me. Maybe I just need to go back. Can I please tell you, don't go back. Don't, just hold on. Just wait. Just wait for the sunrise. Just wait for the sunrise on your dark day. The sun will rise. I promise you that. Just wait for the sunrise. Peter's like, I'm going fishing. The disciples, the other guys are like, well, we'll come too. He's an influencer, for sure. He's the leader of the group. And they're all like, well, what are we going to do? Okay, we'll go fishing with you. That sounds like a great idea. So they all go fishing. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And this, this will be part of your frustration if you think you want to go back. Because you'll spend all night trying to find recapturing that glory or whatever that was before Jesus. It wasn't really glory. Please know that. That's, that's not, that, you know, that's reminiscing and, you know, nostalgia. Nostalgia is a big thing. It, it's not always as pretty as what you think it was. So you think you go back to the good old days. They weren't good old days. Pre-Jesus, they weren't good old days. They were not. The enemy loves to trick us into thinking like, no, those were the fun times. Those were the good times. Not that you didn't have fun or you didn't, there weren't any good times, but don't be, don't be misled. They're, they're, not, they're not the good old days. But here they are out fishing, professional fishermen, and they don't know how to catch a fish. And this is all just speaking to the frustration in this dark night of, of Peter's soul, so to speak. So they're in the, bo- in the boat. They caught nothing at all. At dawn, here, here you go. Here's the sunrise I was talking about. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. Wait for the sunrise. Don't go back. Wait for the sunrise. Look for Jesus. He was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. They weren't that far out. So I don't want to give them too much, you know, benefit of the doubt, okay? Because we may be thinking like, well, maybe they're halfway into this lake that at some point is about seven miles long. You think it's maybe 13 or seven miles long at its longest point. Maybe they're halfway, so it's hard to identify. They weren't that far away. They, they weren't that far from the shore. They just didn't recognize Jesus. And isn't that true sometimes within our lives, in those dark nights, where he might be present, we just don't know how to recognize him. They see somebody... They don't know who it is. They're not sure. One guy has an idea. But he says, this is Jesus. He says, "Uh, fellows. That's a weird word, fellows. Who says that anymore? This is New Living Translation. I don't know. New Living Translation, they have fellows. Um, Technically, the word is, it's children. Children, which is a weird thing, right? From a rabbi to a student, he's like, children, have you caught any fish? No, they reply. Right? Just a cold one answer, one word answer. No, go away. Don't bother us. You know, yes, we have not caught anything at all. Then he said, throw your net, throw your net on the right side, right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. And they're like, really? Really? Who's this guy? Like, who's, anybody know who this guy is on the shore? Like, we're professionals. Yeah, thanks. 
And they're like, well, maybe we should try it because we've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat all night. You would have thought at some point in time throughout during, you know, maybe a 12-hour period or however long they were fishing, somebody would have said, maybe we should throw the boat net over there. It wouldn't have mattered. They would have caught nothing. Okay, it wasn't until Jesus showed up and said, hey, look, you, you, you're just going to be frustrated. Just listen to me. Just do what I say. Throw it on the other side. Like, all right, throw it on the other side. So they, th- they, they throw it on the other side. They did that. They couldn't even haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Like these men could not even bring this net into the boat because there were so many. I, wanna, I just want that underwater camera scene, right, of under the boat where it's like they're throwing the net in over here and all these fish are just right there, like just waiting. They're like, no, just stay here. I, the, Jesus is telling us to stay right here. Like, don't go, don't swim over to the other side of the boat. Like, that's how my brain works. I'm like, how in the world does this work? But they throw the net in over there, and they have so many fish, they can't even, these men together can't even pull it into the boat. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's a nice way of uh, John referring to himself, okay, because that's who that is, that's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. That can only be Jesus. That could, that could have only been Jesus. And I love Peter's response. Again, remember, Peter, about two weeks ago, flat out denied even knowing Jesus. Flat out, blatantly, almost to his face, I don't even know who you are. And then interactions where we don't have a lot of recorded words or exchanges between the two of them, Jesus and Peter. John says, Peter, that's Jesus. And look at what Peter does. This is his response. This is a dignified Jewish man. They do not go swimming in the Sea of Galilee, okay? This is not what they do. They're, not, they're fishermen. They're not swimmers, okay? They don't, they don't just go take a dip in the Sea of Galilee, all right? That's not what they're about. It says he put on his tunic or his, his outer garment um, for he... he stripped for work. He got down into his work clothes. He put on his tunic and he jumped into the water and headed to the shore. Now, either he is swimming or they're that close to the shore where it's not that deep. Okay? So unless they got really bad vision, they couldn't identify who Jesus was, right? Although they've seen him post-resurrection a few times. But he heads to the shore. That's the right response. That's the right response from us. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done to Jesus or said about Jesus or whatever it is, when you identify that the Lord has showed up in your life, you respond like Peter did. Just go for it. Run to him. Just run to him. Just run to him. That's all you have to do. You remember the story about the prodigal son, right? That kid who went off and spent all his inheritance and and just, just foolish, completely foolish and reckless. And he finally gets it in his brain, like, man, I should just go back home. I can work for my dad. I can be one of his servants because I know his servants are treated better than how I'm being treated right now. And he's headed back home. And what does his dad do? His dad runs to him. Beautiful picture of how the Lord actually cares about us. So if you've gone off, you've, you've drifted, please know that, man, this is how the Lord feels about you. Run back to him. Run back to him. Bring with, bring with you whatever it is that you have. Whatever baggage, whatever failures and all that stuff, just bring it with you and give it to him. That's all you got to do. He's not ashamed of you. 
and he's not afraid of your sins, run to Jesus. That's what Peter does. He jumps out of the boat. He heads to the shore. The others stayed in the boat, and they pulled the load of the net to the shore. It says, for they were about, um, they were only about 100 yards from the shore. So not that far. Uh, and then they got there. They, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. So here's Jesus. He's already started a fire. He's got some fish. Where'd he get the fish? I don't know. We don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't need to catch them. I know that because he knows how to just make fish appear and bread. So please, let's, let's see this. Fish and bread, two things Peter is very, very familiar with. In fact, there was two times in his life where Jesus fed thousands of people with fish and bread. You think Jesus is trying to tell these guys something? You think Jesus is trying to tell Peter something? As Peter is the first one to the shore and he looks and there's a charcoal fire, what does, that, what does that remind him of two weeks ago? The charcoal fire that he was warming himself by when he denied Jesus. You think Jesus put that there just to make him feel bad? No, not at all. Jesus is inviting him to a different kind of fire, a different kind of fire. I'm going to cook some fish on this one and some bread. Peter, I'm going to make you some pretty amazing breakfast fish tacos right? Like, mm, there you go, right? He, Peter hasn't done anything to deserve this. He hasn't done anything to earn this. None of these guys had. But here's Jesus, and now the time is right for Jesus to deal directly with Peter and to restore Peter, to restore him. So you got fish on a charcoal fire and some bread, and Jesus tells them, he's like, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went Simon Peter, by himself, Simon Peter, by himself, went aboard and dragged the net to shore. Now, remember, they couldn't even get it into the boat, and then it took all the other ones to drag it to the shore. Peter himself is like, I got this. He goes and picks up the net of all these fish. Where do you get, is it like, did he just become Superman? Like, what, what, where did the strength, but you can see that Peter's, there's something happening within Peter. There's something happening there. Maybe the bread, maybe the fish are serving as reminders. But the Lord just knows how to, Peter, the Lord, the Lord knows how to take care of you. He goes and drags these fish uh, up to where Jesus is at. Um, says there was a, the, the estimate here is there were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. So that in and, in and of itself is a, is a miracle, okay? So 153 fish, what does that represent? I have no idea. I have no clue. Uh, I know there's commentators who speak on that and all that good stuff. I don't know. Um, and they don't even know. I can tell you that. Like, nobody knows what this number, what does the number represent? Oh, well, I don't know. It's just, it, to me, it represents a lot of fish. I mean, that's a lot of fish for like 11 dudes, right? Plus Jesus. So um, what is it? Is it speaking to the abundance of like, you know, are we talking about evangelism and souls? Maybe it's a representation of like souls that would be one. Could be. Absolutely could be. You can interpret it that way if you want. You probably wouldn't be wrong, okay? It's just a lot of fish, and John, led by the Holy Spirit, felt like he should probably include the number of fish in there. So there's probably a really good reason for that. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed, that's your job, right? You're supposed to figure this stuff out. I'm like, well, I mean, I've read like all the books on it, but that's just, a lot of it's just speculation. Um, I think it does kind of represent, to a certain extent, the mission field. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Every Good Gift. No, it's not talking about birthday gifts or Christmas gifts. We're actually covering all of the different gifts that God gives to you on a continual basis. God's heart is to bless you and for you to use the gifts that He's given you to bring about blessing and abundance to those around you. Like a parent, God desires to give you an overflow of gifts because He loves you. Have you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it again? Well, you're welcome to do so at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. While you're looking for this message, feel free to explore the other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home or simply want to connect and pray with someone, we would love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Are you interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you'll find that information on our website as well. It would be so great to meet you and to hear how you learned about this ministry. Our time with you is up for today's edition, but we encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about those gifts that God has for you. Join us for some more encouragement, maybe some conviction, and a whole lot of God-inspired wisdom that comes from the Word of God. Open your heart and mind to hear what God has for you, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.